Welcome to the Around the Keg podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whit Barfield, joined as always by my co-host, Lando and Matt, as well as our tech guy, Keys. And we have a really great show for you guys today. We have our biggest guest yet in Georgia Southern head coach, Chad Lunksford, along with great discussion about the changes in college football and how Oklahoma and Texas will change the landscape of the SEC, ending with our world-famous pour one out, cut them off segment, and then stick around for the first ever release of Neutral Snap's brand new single, I'm Crazy, But You Like That. Hope you all enjoy. All right, guys. So today, news broke. It's official. Oklahoma and Texas have been voted on by the members of the Southeastern Conference unanimously been invited to join the SEC. What you guys think about this? It had to be done for financial reasons. So uh, the Big 12, I think, especially after um, Missouri, Nebraska, Colorado, and Texas A&M left initially uh, several years ago, uh, that really kind of marked the beginning of the end for the Big 12, in my opinion. And it was just writing on the wall uh, especially after um, Texas got their own network. The Big 12 was the only major conference that didn't have their own conference network. The ACC has their own, the Big 10 and the SEC have their own uh, networks. The Big 12 was the only one that didn't have theirs. So financially, it's just it just shows the ineptitude of the Big, of the Big 12. And Texas and Oklahoma saw the writing on the wall and they saw where college sports is going in terms of what's going on with the NIL and all that stuff. So they noticed that you can make a lot more money playing in the SEC that also just signed a huge deal, a huge TV contract with ESPN. So it just made a whole lot of sense money-wise to just go ahead and jump ship and go to the SEC and play some football. And, and and we can't pretend that ESPN and ABC didn't know that this was going to happen. They've been in on this the whole time. That's why they give the mega contract to the SEC. And it starts in 2023, I believe, is when the when the uh, new ESPN-ABC deal starts. And as of right now, Texas and Oklahoma are officially going to be 2025. We all know that they're going to buy that out. and It's going to be 2022, maybe 2023 at the latest. But those dates kind of align. ESPN and ABC knew about this the entire time. That's why they threw all that money at them. I am not a fan of it for for reasons that are, you know, strictly based on tradition and things like that. I understand that Oklahoma and Texas were carrying the Big 12 financially. I mean, the Big 12 is not going to exist as a conference now that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. Uh it may, but it's I mean, it's going to their revenue is dipping big time. Uh I don't think it's going to be around, but Aside from that, like I, I get why it happened and I understand the reasoning of it. I just don't like the precedent that sets for where college football is heading. What's that precedent? Because I because for the past couple of weeks I've heard you say that you you don't like this because of what it's going to do to college sports in the future. Like I want you to elaborate on that. Like help help me understand where you're coming from because I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Super conferences, right? So, the, yeah, essentially what this sets is that there's going to be four conferences that run everything, which bodes into their 12-team playoff, 
which means that these group of five teams who have at least a smidgen of a chance goes to zilch for them. There, there's no way that you're going to ever have a, a group of five team have a chance now. And I feel like it negatively affects their revenue. So honestly, what it, the, 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 the college football is really looking in, in my opinion, it, it but I feel like that's going to hurt college football in the long run. Matt, I'm with you, man. I, I'm not a big fan of it, but I will say this. The uh, I really think this actually helps group of five teams in the long run have a better chance of making the playoff because I think there's a good chance that the Big 12 won't be a conference anymore. I think those teams are going to disband and they're going to realign to other conferences, which takes conferences like conference U- or uh, the American Conference, Conference USA, the Sun Belt. When they move to the 12-team playoff, they're taking the six top conference champions no matter what. So if the Big 12 isn't a conference anymore, that adds a whole other group of five conference into the mix for uh, a champion. You have to have at least two group of five conference champions in every single playoff at this point now, um, assuming that the Big 12 disbands. Now they could, you know, add a couple teams from the American to the Big 12 and just keep it running. Um, But to me, the way I see it, I think the Big 12 is going to completely disappear and and we're going to see the conferences realign quite a bit. What's going to happen in turn of that, in my opinion, is that the college football playoff committee is going to then change the rules for the 12 teams that have to make the, the playoff. Because right now it's the it's what the the six conference the six conference champions that are the highest ranked or whatever. I, I don't think that they're going to do that anymore. And if you think that they are, you're crazy because now all of the money is going to be run by the like. If you're telling me that somehow if if Texas goes nine and three and finishes tied for fourth in the SEC, that they're going to get left out of the playoff? Yes. No, there's yes. no because oh, in, no, in, a, no. in a sixteen to in, in in a sixteen team conference, three lost Texas that finishes tied for fourth is going to the playoff. Three lost Alabama that finishes tied for fourth in the SEC is going to the playoff. It's all about brands and brands. Matt, here, here, here's my argument to that though. That's that's how it is now anyway. If, 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 no, if nothing would have changed that, I mean, right now, if you're taking 12 teams and you have six wildcard teams to take, they would take a nine and three Texas A&M or a nine and three LSU over a conference champion group of five team besides the number one group of five team, which the, which will be a conference champion that's going to make it anyway. So, I mean, it, it, I, I don't think it really changes that much when it comes to group of five besides of what I just said with the fact of you have to take two group of five champions. And I think the group of five in general is going to completely change from how we see it right now. It, it's going to be a massive, massive shift in my opinion. So it's kind of hard to say right now anyway, but that's just kind of how I think about it. I think what is going to end up happening and this will be for the better. There will be these super conferences and then they will have their own championship series by themselves. The group of five, uh, the group of five will have their own thing by themselves and that, that will be it. It will just be two separate things for the Super Conferences and the Group of Five because that's the way it should be. That's, that's the, the way it should be. I, I agree that's with the that. way it should be. That's the way it should be right now. That's the way it should be right now. That's what's going to happen, but all you're doing now is just create, creating FCS 2.0. Correct. That's what, but, I mean, but, I mean, what is it right now? Exactly. That's better, that's better than what it is right now. I mean, I, like I, I've said on the show before, I don't know why they even have an FCS. I don't know why they have a group of five. Why not have a D1, D2, D3, D4, Thank D5? You. It's the exact same thing. The only difference is you have the group of five, which is in the in Division One FBS, 
but they can't actually win anything. The only thing they can win is their conference and then go play for a peach bowl and try and beat Auburn. Like, right. like you can, you can win every single game by 30 points and there's still a pretty good shot that a, you know, 11 and one Oklahoma or a 12 and 0 Ohio state or whoever is going to make it in over you. That's just kind of how it is right now. So it's, it's not a good place for college football. I'm really happy about the conference alignment. The one thing that I am just really disappointed about as a college football fan is that the SEC, to me, has always been the dominant conference. I'm not saying they're the best conference year in and year out. I'm just saying overall, over the past, uh, probably since like 2008, give or take, it's, they've been the best, the SEC has been the best conference. And now you're just adding two, uh, two more of the biggest brands in college football to that. So at this point, it's kind of just like, it's going to be the SEC champion, probably the SEC runner-up, and then Ohio State and Clemson in every single playoff. Which honestly, the way it's been recently, it's you know it's Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, and then you know whoever wins the SEC, whatever. And I'm mean, so it's not really going to change much. It's just going to be one conference has all these teams playing against each other and just beating the crap out of each other, and then you have one team come out, and then it's Ohio State and Clemson, and that's it. And then there's no other teams that are going to be able to complete compete at all. All right, so just for funsies. Uh, so Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the SEC. If the SEC said, all right, we're going to bring in these two teams, but we're going to get rid of two teams, which two teams that are currently in the SEC would you two guys get rid of? Vanderbilt, Missouri. Missouri never felt like they fit the SEC to me. Vandy doesn't try in any sport other than baseball. Like they don't put any money into facilities in football. And and the SEC has this big prideful thing of, oh, you know, we value how much money gets put into our sports programs. Obviously, that's why Texas and Oklahoma come. Um, they make sense financially. I understand that part. And but, you know, for I, I, th- those are the two that I've got to get rid of if I'm the SEC. At least Wait. Missouri made an SEC championship. I mean, Missouri maybe. made the SEC championship game twice. their first two years. First twice. Two years, yep. And then they kind of dropped off. But Right, right. But. But it, like as far as overall feel of like whenever I see a school come in, I'm like like Missouri, I always kind of forget about that they're in the SEC. And then Vandy is a laughing stock for the most part. I mean, so so I feel like Missouri fits more of a Big Ten type of model as far as a feel than I, they do SEC. I think they're a Big Twelve team. I think they've they've been what they've been since they were in the Big Twelve. They're a Big Twelve team. And I think Arkansas and Missouri to me are the two teams that that if you're going to take two teams out of the SEC and go put them, say say you're going to trade, you're going to put two teams in the Big 12. Arkansas and Missouri are the two to do that. The only reason I really wouldn't want to see Arkansas do that is because they do have a nice nice historic rivalry with LSU, and they've started developing a good rivalry with uh, Texas A&M playing in Jerry World every, every single year in Dallas. That's one of my favorite games. We talked about that when we did the most uh, underrated rivalries uh, little series we did, but... Um, to me, I like, I think, I think that's it. Like Vanderbilt is terrible. They're never going to compete, but they are, they're in Nashville, which is one of the bigger cities in the South. They're at the very least, like, I mean, they're, they're the SEC baseball team. They're the best program in the SEC. Um, besides that, I mean, they're not really that good at anything else. And it's like, really, who cares about Vanderbilt? They're kind of a, kind of an afterthought when it comes to sports, but like they're still, it's not all about how good the team is and how good the program is. It's about where it is as a brand. Like it's because it's in you know the big city of Nashville, it 
fans can travel there. It's still going to make a lot of money for other football programs. So I don't think Vandy should be one of the teams to go. I, I would take Arkansas. You hit the nail on the head. Missouri and Arkansas. Those two teams, those two colleges are are Big 12 colleges. They're Big 12, Big 12 teams. I've been to Columbia, Missouri myself many a times. It's not an SEC school, okay? I've been to many different SEC schools, like different campuses. It's not an SEC school, period. It's a Big 12 school. And Arkansas, Fayetteville, uh, Arkansas is is the same. It's horrible. There's nothing there. They should be in the Big 12. I think they should, you know, the SEC should just, you know, uh, do a little switcheroo there and uh, trade Texas and Oklahoma and just give the Big 12 Arkansas and uh, Missouri. Those are both teams that are out West. So they, they match up with that big 12 feel like Missouri was in the big 12 until what? 2012. Yeah. And like you could say, I think Texas A&M is a big 12 team too. They are. But now that Texas, now that Texas is coming over, you don't want the half. The reason we're bringing Texas over is because we're bringing back that Texas, Texas A&M rivalry that, and we're, and we're keeping the Texas Oklahoma rivalry as well. Cause we're bringing Oklahoma over. So now the sec is, the motherland of all the greatest rivalries in sports besides Ohio, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, and Army, Navy. So it's going to bring a lot of money. The only reason I disagree on Arkansas is because they are they make a lot they they put money into their athletic programs. They care, and to me, that's what the SEC not so much that they win, but that they at least have facilities that look like it matters. Vanderbilt doesn't do that. They put all of their money into academics, which great. Yeah, they boost the academics of the SEC. <laughs> I guess maybe that's the one school that they want to keep to have this, this, so they can say, oh, no, see, we're an academic conference, too. Uh-huh. Because, honestly, the whole reason they added Texas, it wasn't that they, – they, sure, Texas, Texas A&M, they, they were like, yeah, whatever. No, they saw dollar signs. Yeah. And – the dollar signs is at the end of the day is all that matter. They saw getting the two biggest financial gains that are out there that are available, basically free agents, and said, "Hey, how about you team up with us, you come over, you, and and you know we we make a ton of money, you make a ton of money. Sure, you lose the Longhorn Network, but guess what? You're probably going to make more than that from our TV deals, plus all the revenue that we're going to generate together, anyways." In the official SEC statement, like when they were talking about bringing over Texas and Oklahoma, uh, they didn't mention anything about football, money. You know what they mentioned? They mentioned academics. Now, we know good and daggum well this is not about academics. It's about football, baby. It's about money. Dollar, dollar bills. See, and that that is one thing I agree with Matt on that he said earlier. It sets a very bad precedent for college sports because – this whole decision was centered around college football, an entire decision for for a college to move from the athletic conference they were in. They play in there's all these other sports, all these other rivalries that they've created throughout years and years and years, and they're just they're going to move solely based on the fact that they're going to make more money from one sport, which is college football. That is the only reason they're moving, and that is just absolutely nuts to me. It's really cool how um, college athletics work with the, the business of college athletics work because it's, it's just extremely fascinating because it, it's nothing like pro sports where, you know, like teams don't really move divisions. You just kind of like add and take away teams and you kind of just, you know, stick them somewhere based on their geog- geographical spot. And, and I mean, everybody makes money no matter what. It's like you're going to make more money being in one division than you would the other. And college athletics, you have these separate entities. It's like a bunch of different businesses together, like a bunch of different leagues all playing against each other, which is why I've always been so against, you know, having like a, having like a, or, or when we did the two team 
uh, national championship, we only picked two teams instead of picking four because like it's such an uneven playing field. Like every single league is completely different. And now with Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC, it's it's just gonna you know build upon that fact that the leagues are just unbelievably different. So when it comes to uh, you know like uh, where the SEC will put Texas and Oklahoma, where like which division are they going to put them in? Geographically, it makes the most sense to put them both in the West exactly. and then move Auburn to the East. Yes, because okay. they're only going to move. They, they can, the way the way that when we were doing the math the other day, they can only really move one team over if they both go in there because of the way that the numbers are right now. Um, so the the way that the the most geographical most sense would be Texas and Oklahoma both come in the West. Auburn goes to the East. All right. So I, I'm new. To, I'm new to all this SEC stuff. So you guys have, are going to have to update me. Who, who's in the West right now? So it's Alabama, Auburn, LSU, uh, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. Arkansas. Those are the seven. It's in the West. The East, Georgia, Florida, uh, Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Missouri, Kentucky. Kentucky. The rumor that has been flying around, and I honestly think this is how it's going to end up happening, I think they will move Missouri to the West. And they will move. They will put Oklahoma and Texas both in the West, and they will move Alabama and Auburn to the East, which, in my opinion, would make the SEC East easily the best division in college football. Easily, year in and year out, the West will still be really good because Texas, right now, like right now, Texas, Texas isn't going to be that good to start out. But I think you know this is like a twenty-year thing. This isn't going to be a five-year kind of deal. In twenty years, in the next twenty years, Texas will be one of the top three programs of the West if that were to happen. So you got Oklahoma, Texas, LSU. I mean, you got Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and okay. then Missouri. So it's going to be Texas, Oklahoma, LSU, and then on the other side you're going to have Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Auburn, and then uh, if Ole you Miss, still think Tennessee Miss, is a power, Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss, no, that's is not, be good. That, okay, Ole Miss. Okay, I'll give you Ole Miss. Ole Miss if Lane Kiffin sticks around and doesn't jump to Texas once right. Sark gets fired after two years, <laughs> or, or, or 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 gets his uh, his his third DUI or something. Yeah, yeah, well, too soon. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, or gets caught hanging out with too many college chicks in the Grove, but it's uh, but that, but that's that's what I'm saying though. I mean, and and I think that's a good way to break it down. Like those are pretty pretty even. I think the SEC East is is a little bit stronger than the West if that were the case, uh, but I still think both would be absurdly strong. I think both would be way stronger than any other division in college football. The other re- the other reason that I that I kind of dislike this is because of those teams like Kentucky and. Uh, like your Mississippi States, those middle of the road programs that have gained a lot of momentum recently, they just got set back <laughs> ten years, in my opinion. They're done, they're done. in football. They're gonna be they're gonna be fine in basketball because you know basketball you only need five guys. They'll be able to recruit uh, and and stay in their geographic areas. But but you just put a death it, like Ole Miss. If they hadn't had Lane Kiffin last year, I would throw them in that group of teams that are really going to be negatively affected by this. You've, you've killed all of those middle-of-the-road SEC programs by doing this, for football at least. But, I mean, were they really competing? Middle-of-the-road SEC football programs don't make the same kind of money that Texas and Oklahoma will. Thank you. So, when it comes – Greg Sankey, you know what Greg Sankey says to that? Who freaking cares? Same thing Orlando says to it. It's all about the green. It's all about the money, baby. All Greg about Sankey the money. right now is 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 just is just rubbing his pockets and saying, "Man, my pockets are fat. My wallet is so fat I can't even sit on it." 
Greg Sankey is the Jeff Bezos of college football. He has absolutely just created a monopoly of college football teams. And honestly, like I was saying before, I'm not a huge fan of it as a college football fan because it does take away the whole... I'm a big fan of having more talents or more high-quality brands spread out amongst the college football world. Like, it, you know, I want every conference to be equal. I'd like to see, or at least somewhat equal good teams in each conference and then they all come together at the end and you see these like like Oklahoma Georgia in 2017 like that matchup that was the second time they've played ever I'm pretty sure yeah, and the first time, time was like ever. in 19 1970 or 40 or something like that yeah like that's a very rare matchup and now we're going to see it uh, potentially every year if not every you know every, every once every two years or something like that yeah every four years or five years or whatever be every eight cuz the way that the rota- if they stay with the, ro- with the way rotations are now well, then we'd see Alabama, Georgia every year, which we kind of do anyway. But uh, yeah. So let me ask you guys this: Who does this benefit more, Texas or Oklahoma? Oh, oh Oklahoma. That's easy. That's 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 easy. Oklahoma, because we're we're easily the the what? You're shaking your head. No, I think I think Oklahoma too. I think Oklahoma too, and I'll tell you I'll tell you why. Because I think Texas, when we're talking when we're talking money wise. If we're talking money business wise, it's Oklahoma easily because Texas was already getting everything. They're like, I don't think Texas is going to make that much more money moving to the SEC because they were making a lot of money with the Longhorn Network and with the Big Twelve. Are they going to make more money? Yeah, well, probably you know like twenty million dollars. Yeah, that's a lot of money to us, but you know to college football world, that's like eh, whatever, twenty million dollars. But Oklahoma, Oklahoma is also is a big brand and they made a lot of money too, but it was not the same as Texas. So I think Oklahoma. Is going to be bringing in a lot more money. They're going to be able to do more with their facilities, like yes. Texas and Texas A and M have have done. Yes. So business wise, help I say recruiting Oklahoma, and it help and it help recruiting in that aspect. Correct. Correct. It'll help. It'll help right. Oklahoma in recruiting because Matt, explain yourself. I'm talking strictly football here. Strictly football. Okay. Strictly football. Strictly football. Texas is going to benefit more from this in the long run, and here is why. Texas is like a B minus B program right now. Oklahoma is an A plus. Don't have a lot of room to improve. This is not going to help them that much. Texas has had the money. They've had the facilities. They've had everything. But A&M jumped over them as a program. And A&M decided to go to the SEC. Right now, if if you look at strictly programs, Texas A&M has an argument to be one of the top five in the country. Texas isn't anywhere even near that conversation. You wow. give Texas, you give Texas five years in the SEC, they're going to be in that conversation for sure. Steve Sarkeesian has already made a ton of momentum with recruiting. Texas has to start winning. If, if Texas starts winning in the SEC, you will see just an ups. They, they'll they'll be the number they'll be the number one recruiting team every year. Oklahoma's already flirting with the playoff, and they're already up there. But there's room to get better. Yeah, but- Going from like a D to an A plus is a, a bigger jump than going from A plus to A plus plus. I beg to differ. That's what Matt's saying. I think. See, I agree. I agree with both of y'all though, because Matt is right in the sense of Oklahoma is not going to make the playoff every single year anymore. It's not going to happen. They're not going to make, make it, it as much year as anyway. The best year. Year. Listen, you're. But you're right though. What Lando's saying is right because Oklahoma is an A plus team right now, but they're an A plus team in the Big Twelve when they're only, when they're playing against Oklahoma State and those kind of teams. And you can we tell there's a huge the Big 12. there's a huge talent gap between Oklahoma and SEC teams when they play each other. This 
Although I disagree with Lando in the sense of he thinks that they're going to recruit more Southeastern players, high school players, no, to Oklahoma I, because they're in the well, SEC. Nope, nope, nope. You completely read that wrong. I said okay. we're, we're, we're going to recruit better just because there are lots of really good players in the country, not just the Southeast. There are a lot of good players in the country that go to schools in the SEC just because they're in the SEC. Do you know why? It's because the SEC is the best conference. The SEC okay. plays against the best every single weekend. The SEC plays against NFL talent every weekend. You can't get that anywhere else. So we're going to get those players. Off that statement, I I, I say I agree with what I said before. Texas, it's the same way with Texas. If Texas starts winning in the SEC, Texas starts going 9-3, and 10-2 every single year, they're going to become a recruiting juggernaut. I think the same thing with Oklahoma. Oklahoma right now, they're getting recruits because they're going to the playoff every year. Lincoln Riley is putting players out to the NFL. And, and if he does that same thing in the SEC, which I think he will, that if they're beating Alabama, if they're, even like every you know two or three years, they're beating Alabama or they're at least competing with Alabama like Georgia's been doing, then you're, you will show the recruits, you're like, okay, this is a team I can go win a national championship with and they will recruit better. What what Lando just said, I completely agree with. Because you have, you have to think about it. Historically, Oklahoma is is literally a carbon copy of Alabama when it comes to like to like being dominant. Like Alabama had had great years through the through the early sixties and seventies, and Oklahoma did through the early sixties and seventies. Like like you guys put out national championships, we put out national championships, we put out Heisman's. So players are going to see that and be like, man, historically Oklahoma's a damn good football program. I want to go play for them. Cause and they're in the SEC. I'm gonna get to play against NFL caliber players and be prepared to play in the NFL. I'm gonna go to Oklahoma. Now, now I agree with I agree with your overall sentiment. What I disagreed with is I don't think you're going to steal players from Alabama, Georgia, LSU, the schools that are already getting those kids. Those those are the kids that are going to continue to go to those schools because Oklahoma is competing for those kids right now and getting some of them. The whole point of Texas being having benefiting more from this is strictly in this. Right now, next year's recruiting class, Texas is number three already just because Steve Sarkeesian is there. And I know that obviously that's not developmental, that those guys are – that's just recruiting class rankings and we've still got a ways to go before those guys are signed and yada, yada, yada. I understand that. But when Texas is at its peak – they can be an A++ program, just like Oklahoma has the ability to be an A++ program. Oklahoma has the ability to benefit from this and go from being an A++ to that elite tier, which, honestly, based on the way they played against Georgia in 2017, I would say that they're they're kind of in that conversation already. They've just been in a rebuild mode last year, which I wouldn't say playing as well as they did last year and dominating Florida in the Cotton Bowl is a, a rebuild year. I mean – that that's the kind of program that that Oklahoma is right now. Their ceiling isn't that much higher than where they're already at. I mean, yeah, they might recruit a few more guys, but Texas has so much room that they can go because they have all the history and the players and the Heisman Trophy winners, and they've got the Natties. But but Texas has that oil money, and they haven't been able to recruit the SEC kids from from Texas A and M. So Texas A&M is going to start losing kids that go back to Texas. So to me, Texas benefits the most from this. Once again, I'm going to say this again. And this is where Lando might, Lando might fight me here. 
I agree. Oklahoma, and I think this, in reality, I think this is what will happen. Oklahoma, if they win in the SEC, they start beating SEC teams on national, you know, on ESPN, on more national TV than they are now, which they are on national TV every week now. If they start beating Alabama, Auburn, LSU, those teams, they will recruit better. But Oklahoma is not going to go 11 and 1 every single year anymore. That's where it could hurt your recruiting. And you're not going to go to the playoff every single year. That's what I'm Whatever. saying, though. Is it? It's taking a risk because you are putting yourself at the risk of losing three or four games every year. That's fine. You could me. like you're playing you're, you're playing better teams every year, but it's a good risk because if you go out there and you start beating these teams, like like you know Missouri did. Missouri came in and won. I think it was two of the first three years they were in the SEC East, and Texas A&M was the second best team in the SEC last year to end the season. So like you like we've seen Big Twelve teams that are lesser than Oklahoma and Texas have both done it. If Oklahoma comes in and you know goes through three and three or four losses every year, they're going to lose recruits. But if they come in and, and go eleven and one, ten and two every year, or twelve and zero, and they're beating Alabama and those teams, they are going to steal players from Alabama and Auburn and Georgia because they're beating those teams and they're still a big brand. And honestly, I mean they're the most winningest football program in college football history. I'm pretty sure. So not national championships, but in total wins. So they have the history behind them too. My last point on this is Texas A&M is punching air right now. They are punching air. They are pissed because they're only they're only like leg up in recruiting over Texas was we're the only school in Texas that's in the SEC. You come play for us. Da, 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 da. And now they can't say that anymore. And all those players that were going to Texas A&M just because they were in the SEC are going to go right back to Texas. And Texas A&M is going to go back to being little brother. And, oh, God, they're going to be pissed. And, and and that's where I agree with you. Obviously, we're, we're going to start talking in circles. But, I mean, that's why I don't necessarily like it. The, the money and the direction that I think it takes college football in is they they no longer prioritize. They basically said with this, we want to be NFL junior. So how much longer is it before high school kids start sitting out their senior year so they can go or enrolling early so they can start getting their NIL deals and making money off of that? And, you know, where does the ball stop? It's got to stop eventually somewhere. That's my my whole reasoning for not liking it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one last thing. There's one reason I like this Oklahoma, Texas thing over anything else. And this is kind of what brought me around to it. Georgia, Oklahoma, and Norman. Georgia, Texas, and Austin. That's going to be freaking awesome. Same with Alabama. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be some good road trips, and we're going to do some really fun live shows here coming up. Y'all better watch out. But, you know, that's enough talking about the SEC. We're talking about super conferences right now. Let's get into... The Sun Belt, we got a great interview with Chad Lunsford coming up. Y'all stay tuned. We're very excited to introduce today's guest. This one hits really close to home for all of us because we all went to Georgia Southern. He took the helm as interim head coach midway through the 2017 season before becoming the official head coach for the past three seasons. He led the Eagles to 10 wins during his first season, as well as a win in the Camilla Bowl, earning himself the title of Sun Belt Coach of the Year. He would also go on to coach a win in the New Orleans Bowl in 2020. Please welcome to the podcast, head coach of Georgia Southern University, Coach Chad Lunsford. How are you doing today, Coach? Doing great, man. Appreciate y'all having me on today. Absolutely. It is definitely an honor to speak to the head coach of Georgia Southern. 
as as Keza um, alluded to, we're all alumni of, of Georgia Southern, great school. Uh, went to many football games, and it honestly, I'm geeked just to have you on the show. <laughs> yeah, no, we're all we're all super excited. We spent a lot of time on the sidelines of uh, Georgia Southern football games when we were there, and um, it was really cool. I think you took over. It was me, Keys, and Lando's junior year, and yeah. you could tell there was a huge shift in the program uh, once you we Absolutely. started taking over and getting everybody going. So oh, we're yeah. we're really excited to have you on. And then as as someone, I was born in Statesboro, uh, so I'm very familiar with the program. Been there a long time. Uh, you took over the year I graduated, and to see it flourish like it has under your helm, uh, been awesome. And uh, one of the things that's been awesome to see is it's kind of kicker you and you were a special teams coordinator right before you took over. So <laughs> how is it seeing these guys go to the NFL and have so much success? Well, it's uh, it's definitely awesome, um, you know, to see young Waku start with the Falcons, be a pro bowler, watch Tyler Bass do what he did as a as a fresh, I mean, excuse me, as a rookie, um, you know, and now, you know, really a specialist you because we had uh, Ryan Lang in our long snapper. Uh, he's actually with the Chargers now, and um, I kind of feel really good about another one we got coming. And uh, Anthony Beck, who's who's a punter for us right now, um, I think he has uh, NFL talent as well. So uh, it's been great, man. Those guys had a lot of great work ethic. Um, really wanted to to be great at what they did, and uh, did an awesome job to put themselves in that position for sure. Your current kicker, Alex Rayner, he uh, he went to high school with the three of us. So oh, that's yeah? kind of that's kind of neat to see him. Hopefully he can continue on with Kicker U. Well, I tell you, he's uh, he's done an awesome job. You know, a lot of people don't. You know, he that obviously last year was his first year uh, starting for us, and uh, did that as a redshirt freshman. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that. You know, he actually had broke his ankle during the summer, uh, and uh, did not get to kick all off season, and really he didn't start kicking until about a week or two right before the first game. Uh, and, and came in, did a really good job uh, earning the starting job. Um, you know, missed some kicks last year, but uh, was pretty clutch in most situations. And, um, you know, he's really been working hard this offseason. Uh, he does have a lot of talent and looking forward to see what he does over the next three years for sure. So uh, with it, with everything that's kind of been developing lately with the name image likeness bills, um, it's understandable that there's potentially a large distraction among all the players with the sudden introduction of this bill and the ability for them to become involved in endorsement deals and to make some money for themselves. Uh, how has the staff and the players had to kind of adjust to keep the, the focus on the football field with, with all these new endorsement deals kind of coming in? Well, you know, to be honest with you, um, our guys have, uh, you know, I don't think this, it's really been a distraction for them. Um, they've obviously tried to take advantage of their opportunities. And if any opportunities presented themselves, um, you know, obviously uh, they want to want to be able to do that. However, you can kind of tell with the guys, I mean, as we get closer and closer to the season, you know, they understand that what they do on the field um, and what they do for Georgia Southern uh, can always make those type of things a lot better and a lot greater uh, for, for them. Um, and they understand that, you know, even though name, image, and likeness is not based off their play on the field, obviously how we perform and how we do uh, as a team and as a program uh, can bring a lot more attention and notoriety to things. Um, so, you know, our, our administration has done a really good job. We have what we call an apex program uh, that really concentrated on life after ball. Um, we've kind of accelerated that a little bit and, and tried to help a little bit more in the area of helping them right now. Um, you know, and some other things, I mean, we're, we're trying to, you know, we talk about being Georgia Southern men around here and, um, 
you know, obviously we're here to win football games and, and, and do what Georgia Southern does, and that's win. But uh, we want to make sure we're equipping our guys to be ready for life after ball as well. And, um, you know, we've, we've, tried to, we've tried to incorporate that into our program, um, and the guys have done a really good job of, of getting into that. But, we've, you know, we've talked about how to, you know, use your money, how to invest your money. We've, we've talked about how to uh, make your own business, how to create your own LLCs and things like that. Um, you know, so it's not new to our guys. Uh, it's just now that it's something that has come to the forefront and allows them to make money off their name, image, and likeness. Um, you know, hopefully we'll continue to try to get them equipped to to take advantage of it. But I don't see it being a distraction. I really don't. Yeah, I heard um, Todd Bradley and J.D. King on the media day last week. I, I watched uh, the interviews. I heard them saying, keeping the main thing, the main thing. Has that pretty much been the mentality for the guys? Yeah, and you know, J.D. and Todd are, are really vocal leaders and big-time leaders for us of our program. And I think when they say something, that carries a lot of weight. And, and you know, they're very mindful about what they say. Um, and for them to use that to keep the main thing the main thing, um, I know that they're very team-oriented, and I think that our guys are doing a good job of following them as they lead in that direction. So um, I do th- I do think our team's focused on, on what we're trying to do as a football team, not just as an individual. Awesome, Coach. You mentioned something in there that you know, about being Georgia Southern men, and that's been a big part of your culture that you've brought to, to the program since you took over. Uh, is there any coaches that, that kind of had an impact on the culture that you wanted to create there at Georgia Southern when you took over? Um, you know, I probably uh, copy the most from uh, Coach Fritz. Love Coach he was Fritz. a guy that, you know, in, when he came in 2014, I was on Coach Munkin's staff prior to, and uh, he ended up keeping me on staff. And I just really enjoyed um, – his positive attitude, his environment, um, you know, the, a lot of things I've carried over from him. Um, you know, I, I've had a lot of influences in my life. There's no question. But if I was going to say that um, if I yeah, use the word stolen, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe in coaching is borrowing because I don't I'm not sure anybody invents anything anymore. But um, Coach Fritz's style is, is definitely who I would uh, compare myself to. You can really see that in the actions of the program too, uh, like in the guys that the the positive momentum, the positive energy, uh, and and that leads me to the the chair slam after after wins. Where did that whole thing come from? Was that just something you decided to do one day, or or did that come from you know going going back to your old WWE days? Well, I, I did grow up a wrestling fan, and so what kind of happened? I, I mean, it was nothing that I ever envisioned, like. I've always wanted to be a head football coach and I wanted to try to work toward that goal. Um, however, I don't, that, that was not something that was scripted or anything like that. Uh, when I got asked to be the interim head football coach at Georgia Southern during that 2017 season, I mean, we were sitting at 0 and 6. And I mean, it was not, everything was kind of like, man, what is going on here? And um, so what happened was, you know, I was like, all right, let's get some positive energy. Let's get some great vibes going around here. So I ended up going to some of the fraternities and sororities, went over on campus and just tried to get some excitement going. Um, you know, I knew we were going to play. Our first game was going to be away uh, at Troy, and then we were going to come back and uh, we were going to play Georgia State at home. And so I knew we had two weeks to try to build up some momentum uh, to try to get people in the stands, get them excited. Uh, so I was just trying to get out and about and uh, ended up going over to uh, Sigma Chi and um, just kind of 
I walked in, man, and everybody was just going nuts. And I, you know, I, I don't know, man. I just, I just grabbed a chair, threw it down, elbowed it, and uh, they went nuts. And it was just kind of, it was one of those moments. Um, part of our people with the GATA lifestyle, they videoed it. And, you know, I was like, look, man, I don't want to put this out. Um, let's just, you know, let's see what happens. Let's, let's go play some games or whatever. Well, we didn't, uh, we, we lost to Troy and then we lost to Georgia state and then we lost to app and like, man, what's going on here. And then, um, but things started, like we started playing better and like, there was just a lot more, um, oh, yeah. energy. There was a lot more confidence being built and we, you know, we were starting to be a better football team. And so then we played South Alabama on senior night. And I mean, I, I don't know, man, we were just like, we were a different football team that night and then we won 52 to nothing. Um, and that's when got a lifestyle actually put it out. They put that chair slam out that night. And, um, I remember seeing that that kind of went viral, kind of went nuts. Right. Well, then the next week we go to Louisiana and we're on the road and, you know, I, I know, man, we're playing better. I'm feeling good. Like I just, you know, it just, the vibe was right. And we went down there and we beat Louisiana, who was, you know, still vying for a bowl spot. You know, even South Alabama was the week before. And um, we beat Louisiana down there. And I walked in the locker room and, and you know, the guys, I mean, th there's no doubt why I got the job. I mean, the guys were bought in and, and they wanted me to get the job. And, I mean, they were they were chanting, we want Lunsford, we want Lunsford. I mean, it was just going nuts in there. And so I grabbed a chair and I elbowed it again. And. Then it became a thing, and um, and and to be honest with you, that that first one against Louisiana, um, I went to do my post game interview, and I was like, man, I I, I think I'm going to get this job. But after the um, after the chair slam, I honestly had bruised some ribs, and so I was like, man, I don't know, I, I don't know if I'm going to do this again. And uh, so the next year in 2018, uh, very first game, you know, we beat South Carolina State, and and the guys were wanting a chair slam. I said, nah, man, we're only doing this. We're only going to do this after big wins and uh, all that type of stuff. But we do bring the chair in. Um, when we win, uh, we hang it on the wall. If it is a big win, uh, we'll have a little bit more fun with the chair and all that type of stuff. But that's kind of the story. Uh, you know, I kind of got them up a more. Yeah, I saw, I saw you got the App State chair up there. And that's, um, that's, that's an awesome backdrop on your wall there to have. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that App State game was actually one of my favorite games that I have ever attended in my Georgia Southern career. I remember that game. Like it was yesterday, it was kind of misty and rainy, but the vibe in the air, like you could feel that it was just a huge game. And you talking about in 2018? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, when they were ranked uh, 25. Ranked right? 25. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, in 18, like that was that night. Um, I, I mean, I I kind of took it in because that was when Paulson Paulson really felt right again. God, it was awesome. Um, you know, it was just like, man, and, and what a great night that was, you know, to be able to be the ranked team in Paulson. Um, and then turn around again and do it in 2019 up at their place. Um, you know, that was big. We we screwed it up this past year. Um, you know, I kind of wish our quarterback would stayed healthy in that game, but uh, it didn't work out that way. And, um, you know, I would have loved to got three in a row on them. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to make up for it this year for sure. Continuing on with the chair drops, I, we saw you did uh, Gatamania. About two weeks back, um, <laughs> yep. saw, saw the videos of that. That was awesome. Can you tell us about uh, what the Gatamania is, is really about? Gatamania is something we started in 2018. Um, it was it was kind of a way to uh, raise money for 
our program in uh, we have a program uh, within our football program called Athletes in Action, which is also part of the university as well. But it's kind of our FCA. Um, if, if I was going to compare it to anything, um, it's it's there to help with the spiritual side of things for our guys if they choose to. We we don't make anything like that mandatory. Um, it's definitely voluntary. Uh, but my wife and I, you know, we had decided to, you know, maybe try to invest in it and and try to, you know, try to help support. Um, and you know, we we've obviously tried to do our charity work, our community service, and all that type of stuff. But we put a lot of our uh, time and effort into athletes in action with mission trips, try to get our athletes to be able to go on mission trips uh, without them having to pay or anything like that. Um, and so basically that's what it was. And uh, what ended up happening is our D-line coach, uh, Victor Cabral, he was, uh, you know, he was kind of getting in good with the local wrestling guys there at APW and that he was training a little bit, just, you know, kind of messing around with it. Um, and we went and watched one night and just kind of enjoyed it and got to talking to uh, uh, several of the guys that run the APW and all that. Uh, so we came up with the idea of, hey, let's try to do it as a fundraiser. So in eight, we did it in 18, we did it in 19, and then obviously in 20 when we were not able to because of COVID. So it was really awesome to be able to get it back this year and, and do it again. And uh, we had a good time with it. You know, um, it, it was one of those deals where – you know, not a lot of people that came to it really knew all the wrestlers and all that. So we had to do a really good job with the storyline because we had to have, you know, somebody had to be the bad guy. Somebody has to be the good guy. And you got to be able to, you got to be able to make that story happen in, in front of the people so that they know who's bad, who's good and all that type of stuff. And so it was a little bit more involved than we had been in the early years of doing it. And we actually got to, Vic and I got to, uh, kind of talked through it, uh, kind of put our input in on the show. And uh, they were awesome because they were, you know, very open to some of the things we were talking about. And I thought we ended up putting a great show on. Um, you know, we are amateurs. We're not professionals at it. So uh, we're not always that great. But um, I think everybody had a good time and it definitely raised money and, and went to a good cause. So uh, it's something we try to do every year and just kind of look forward to that. Coach, did you have a favorite wrestler growing up? Um, I did. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people would be surprised. I mean, they may say, you know, if they were to guess, they they may say Ric Flair. Um, <laughs> but but to be honest with you, my guy was Dusty Rhodes, man. Dusty Rhodes. Um, he was a. Uh, I I don't know, man. He, you know, when I started thinking about myself and how I came up in the business, um, I kind of pictured that's the way Dusty Rhodes came up in the business. You know, not a, not not maybe the greatest athlete, but. Um, love what he did. Very charismatic, blue collar guy that you know just you know um, really put on a show for the for the people. Um, so I would say he was my favorite wrestler. Hey, hold on one second. I gotta let this dog in. <laughs> Are we live? I'm sorry. I apologize. No, 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 you're, no good. you're good. You're oh, good. We're that's too dangerous Absolutely. for us to go to live. <laughs> Bring the dog on here. We'll take him. <laughs> Both of them are out here whining, and so I was like, well, let me put them in before they start barking too much. So. <laughs> what kind of dogs do you have? Uh, we actually have white golden retrievers. Nice. Um, yeah, they're they're um they're pretty popular as far as um well we bred we bred them twice. Um, we, we're not doing it anymore, but man, they went up they went quick and um you know they're really good dogs and just uh easy to train and you know but when they want to go in they want to go in so it's kind of hard to get <laughs> quick, quick bar. Is there a favorite brand of chair that you like to use when you when you do the elbow or you just pick a chair? 
I actually don't have a branded chair. Um, we usually make a Walmart run. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I will tell you this: I um, every every year we go ahead and we buy we buy a chair for every game. Uh, we don't go into it saying we're not going to use a chair every yeah. game. So, um, and that that even counts postseason for some belt championships and bowl games. So nice. Uh, unfortunately, I hadn't been able to. Uh, have a chair for the Sun Belt Championship, but maybe this year for sure. Heck yeah! Speaking of this season, Coach, um, I know Shy Wirtz has been a big part of the offense for the past couple years, and now he's transferred to Louisville. It looks like he's playing wide receiver now. So this year, is it Justin Tomlin? It looks like he might be the starting quarterback for the team. How is he looking? In well, Justin's done a really good job for us. Um, you know, obviously replacing a four-year starter is hard, and uh, we'll definitely miss Shy, uh, especially his experience. Um, and you know, just, just what he was and what he meant to our program. However, I do think it was the right thing for shy that, you know, I mean, he had invested his time. He'd been here for five years, played, started for four, um, you know, had, had really given his all to Georgia Southern and, you know, he ended up getting an extra year for COVID. Um, and he thought this would be his best route to try to get to the NFL. And so, you know, no, no issues with that whatsoever. Um, you know, if he would have stayed here, he was going to play quarterback and we wouldn't put him in the Um, and you know, but when he was looking at it, um, I thought Louisville was a great choice. Uh, coach Satterfield's a, a friend of mine, uh, a mentor of mine. And I just knew that his program is a lot like ours. And I thought it'd be a good fit for shy, you know, and he shy, it was shy's decision totally, but you know, I was kind of glad he chose Louisville. Uh, but back to your original. I think JT's done an excellent job. He has started a couple games for us when Shy was hurt. Um, I think that he's performed very well as a starter. Um, he has been thrown into some opportunities where, you know, he had to go when he wasn't the starter um, because maybe Shy got hurt or banged up on a play or something like that. You know, so he does have some experience, but not a lot. Um, he's done a really good job over the offseason. Um, I think he does have the team behind him. Um, I think they do believe in him, and and I I do think he can be a really good quarterback in this league. However, um, you know, if we were to play today, um, I would start him. Um, but I do think it's important that we have some competition in training camp and make sure that we're uh, going about this competitively. Um, because Sam Kennerson, uh, a, a man, a young man we recruited out of uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, a year ago. Um, you know, he's kind of magic in a bottle, man. He's, um, he's quick, he's fast, you know, so I want to see what he can do. Uh, we also have Cameron Ransom, who is a quarterback out of Florida, who will be a true freshman who came in term eight with us for summer. And he's done a really good job, you know, just impressing work ethic, kind of got that, uh, you know, I think he's going to have that it factor. He just kind of exudes that. Uh, he's done a really good job of, um, really fitting in with the team. Um, probably one of the better pastors uh, we've had at Georgia Southern, just watching him this summer, watching him throw, um, you know, but obviously we got to let the bullets fly and see what happens when he does that. But I want to give him an opportunity as well. Uh, we also had a transfer from Army and uh, Quincy Bonner, who I think um, can surprise a lot of people. Um, you know, he's got a great frame, uh, good football player. Uh, another guy that did a really good job in spring, unfortunately he had an injury during the spring that's going to kind of keep him sidelined for a little bit, Connor Sigelski out of Marist, who had run option his whole life. Um, you talking about a tough dude, you know, maybe not the fastest, maybe not the quickest, um, but, man, can really operate the offense and, and really has something about him. 
Unfortunately, he did get hurt. He's going to be a little bit sidelined, uh, hopefully get him back midseason. But um, I really like the quarterback room. I think it's very talented. Um, you know, obviously the problem is experience, so we'll just have to see. But what I like about Coach Roos's offense, man, is I, I know he does a good job playing to what our guys can do. Um, and I do think there's a lot of weapons around whoever our quarterback ends up being. It's awesome. And you mentioned a lot of, of attributes that these guys have. Is that what you look for in these guys when you're when you're starting to recruit? Uh, is What specific attributes, I guess, uh, do you look for in kids whenever you're starting that process? First and foremost, um, you know, if we're going to watch film on a quarterback, uh, obviously we know we got to have a dual threat guy. Um, the guy's got to be able to run the ball. He's got to be able to have running back uh, tendencies. Um, he's got to have those attributes that come along with being a running back. Um, he's got to throw the ball well. Um, he doesn't have to be a perfect passer. Um, he's going to get a lot of man in, you know, man-on-man coverage, um, so he's going to have to be able to make sure he's accurate enough to make sure that he can take advantage of that. Of that. Um, and he's got to be able to get the ball out quick as well because – you know, especially with Coach Roos's offense, I mean, we're going to be a little bit more RPO, quick game, uh, play action shots, um, you know, and then obviously have our drop back game. But, you know, it's going to be based off our run game. And so you got to watch that film. You got to go, OK, can he run the ball? Can he make decisions? Um, is he a guy that has the quickness to, you know, read a guy and then pitch off a guy, you know, stick his foot in the ground and, and make a play for you? and you know, I think that's where it starts. Um, then once you identify that, now it's all about finding out what type of person he is. Um, you can't have a quarterback that's selfish. You can't have a quarterback that um, doesn't put the team first. Uh, you got to have a guy that cares about what we do on offense and cares about what our um, what our team wants to do, what our team uh, is set up to do. And, you know, sometimes you just – you don't have the right fit after you visit with people a little bit, you know, because you kind of get a feel for, you know, what their ultimate goal is. And so I think it's got to be about unselfishness because when you – now, the, the great thing about being the quarterback at Georgia Southern is, you know, you're going to get your touches and you're going to be able to get to throw the ball, but you got to be able to operate into what the defense does. If the defense gives you a give read, you got to give the ball. If the defense tells you to pull it, then you got to pull it. Now it's, hey, am I going to pitch it or if I'm on, or am I going to keep it? And you got to be an unselfish player like that. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to keep the ball just because I want to be the guy. Um, and so I think it's important that you figure that out. Um, and that's what I like about the guys we got in our room at quarterback right now. I mean, they're all about the team, and they're all about trying to run our offense uh, very efficiently. Awesome. I've just got a couple more questions for you. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, but if you, if someone was to visit Statesboro, Georgia, what are the three restaurants you say are a must-go? We're a food podcast, too. We're not just all about football. Definitely a food podcast. Definitely, for sure. You're gonna get me in trouble um, because because <laughs> as soon as I don't name somebody, I'm gonna I'm gonna catch it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you got you got to start with my man uh, Al Chapman. Man, he's got he's got a place called Nats and Dale Sir. Oh, love Nats. Those those are great spots. Um, uh, there's a there's an awesome soul food restaurant in in, in Big Moth um, that that we really enjoy. Um, you know, and I know that's three right there, but. Um, if you want, you know, if you want good barbecue, you obviously can go to Vandy's, um, you know, and, and, and get good barbecue there and um, so many good places. And, you know, Uncle Shug's, uh, I love that, you know, to get their chicken biscuits and daylight donuts. Um, you know, you, you go over there and you, and, and you get those sausage rolls and 
put that mustard on it. And man, <laughs> so I, you know, it's hard for me to pick. I mean, it's just a lot of them, man. If you miss any, we we've talked about them plenty on this we've podcast plenty before, of times. So. <laughs> we've hit them all. Trust us. And I, I would give anything, man, if Snookies was still there because Snookies. Oh, was, amen. Snookies was amen. there. I loved that place. It was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And then the last question that I've got for you. Uh, so obviously, a big part of Georgia Southern tradition is that when you come into the program, you get baptized in the Eagle Creek water. When is our indoctrination of getting baptized in the creek water, in the Eagle Creek water, and are you going to be the one that does it for us? Well, you know, we can we we can definitely set this up. One thing that we started last year, and I, I, I totally believe in honoring tradition, uh, never, never, never trying to not do something that we've um, that maybe Coach Russell had put together or has grown throughout the program. It's all about honoring tradition and try to build on it. And, you know, so every year our seniors get in the creek and, um, you know, and the team gets around them and we take a picture. Um, but we also started something for the graduates um, of the university uh, where they can come take a picture in the creek with us and all that type of stuff. And um, so, you know, y'all being alumni, man, we can make that happen. Just got to let me know when you're here. We'll get in there. Uh, now, you, people talk about baptizing. I'm not baptizing nobody, man. <laughs> you, if you're going to go under the water, that's on you. And, that, and that's all. I, I'll stand in there and take a picture with you. But Chad the Baptist. You know, I. I'm not trying to grow three years. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, no, I hear you. I hear you. You, you, you. There's no telling what might come out of it, but uh-huh. yeah, but that would be awesome. We'll be in touch for sure because uh, that's that's like a, a goal of mine is to get in that Eagle Creek water, yeah, and uh, that, that would be a good time. So we'll be in touch for sure. I will make it happen, man, for sure. Coach, really, really, really thank you so much for coming on the show with us. I hope you guys have an awesome season. It was awesome talking to you. You you seem like a great guy. I, you, you're a coach that I would love to play for. You know, you have that type of personality. <laughs> And uh, it, would, I, it would just be an honor to play for you, sir. Well, I, I tell you, I appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know if I'm a great coach. I don't I, I just know that what I do is I try to make sure I do right by people. Um, I try to make sure I build relationships with people, um, you know, and anytime you, you're a relationship coach, man, it's got to be a two way street. I mean, people got to want to build a relationship with you. Um, but I know that, you know, I was blessed to have this spot. I know God put me in this spot. Um, I, you know, I don't know how long he'll have me in this spot. I, I know that my steps are reordered that way, but I know I'm going to take advantage of that as long as I can and, and just try to do right by people and try to build relationships. So that's what it's all about, man. I just try to be me and, and, and go on from there. And I, I've told my wife, I said, if I ever start not acting like me and it, I mean, you, you need to get me out of it because mm-hmm. it just ain't what it's about. So. I appreciate you saying that. Well, Coach, I I don't think uh, I think if you weren't a great coach, I don't think that they would have made a bobblehead of you. So uh, <laughs> I got mine yeah, right actually, here. I got one over I here. Got, so. I know we got his right there too. Have y'all got the limited edition one? I don't. What is the limited edition one? Is it got a different chair? Is there a different one than the one with the chair? All right. So the first one, then Southern James is going to get upset with me. But the the first one that came out, uh, discipline was misspelled oh, on the what chair. Yeah. Oh, actually, wait, you got yours first. You just might have it. Is it spelled right? I don't know if I know how to spell discipline, honestly. <laughs> Come on, man. You graduated from Georgia Southern. Don't make the, don't make the degree look bad. Come on. I was a finance major, not a grammar major. Come on. <laughs> there you go. So I, mine actually has a misspelled discipline on it. And uh, and I, I told them about it. I think they tried to get them up, and, and they got some new ones made. So there's some limited editions out there for sure. Mine's spelled right. According to Google, mine's spelled right. So that is okay. awesome. I, I didn't get the limited edition, unfortunately. Yeah. 
the cool thing about the bobblehead doll, man, is like, you know, I, I'm not whatever. I mean, somebody can buy a bobblehead of me. That's fine. But um, the, what I did like about Southern Exchange is when they asked me about it, I was like, all right, cool. I said, we'll do it. But um, can we help, you know, maybe send it, you know, proceeds, some of the proceeds to charity and all that. So that was another way for us to raise money with athletes in action. So uh, appreciate y'all contributing. Absolutely, <laughs> definitely, man. definitely. Thank you very much for uh, coming on and, and talking with us for a little bit. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to this season. Oh, good, awesome, man. We'll be down in Statesboro. We'll be we'll in be the Eagle Creek with you, and uh, we'll yep. be in some Georgia Southern football games this year. Can't wait to see what the guys look like this year. And uh, GATA, coach, hail Southern, hail Southern, coach. Thank y'all, GATA. Yeah, Chad. Chad's a good dude, man. I, I like Coach Lunsford a lot. I think he really listens to his players. His players love to play for him. You know, he's he's a players coach, and you always want to have a, a a coach that really understands the players. I really enjoyed just how personable he is as a guy. You know, none of us have ever, to my knowledge, met him before, and for him to just hop on, you know, and 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 talk to talk to us the way that he did. You know, I, 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 you could see why he gets some high caliber players to come to Georgia Southern. I mean, he's he's a great dude, uh, and and I'm really excited to see what he can do with Georgia Southern this year. Uh, you know, after after last season, he's taking the time to go out in the community. He said that he had yeah. been on Zoom calls with sororities all day. Yeah. You know, he's really trying to get the buy in of the school and get the buy in of the community, and and that's how you build a really good juggernaut program. Once you start getting that community support, good things start happening. And, uh, you know, everybody my, – my favorite thing about Coach Lunsford, and I didn't even get a chance to tell him this, is I love seeing the videos whenever they do the celebrations after big wins. Whenever he just comes in, and he's like, we like good we get, we like good students and we like good kids, but we love to win. And it's like yeah. that just is the epitome of Georgia Southern. I love that. I'll tell you what my favorite thing about him is too, and it's he just exudes faith in everything he does. Like everything he talks about, he brings up his faith. He does everything with his football players. Like he wants to make them good men. He'd rather make them good men than win football games. And I I think that's just such a huge uh, testament to the culture he's built at Georgia Southern. Um, and like like he's even talked about, he's got all these programs going for the guys for them to learn how to manage their finances, learn how to create their own businesses going forward, and. And uh, with the NIL deals coming up, they're going to be managing all that kind of money now. So I think he's just an incredible guy. And it, it was really it was really something else for us to get to interview him today. Now, I know he said that, you know, a, a lot of the different restaurants in Statesboro would, would get mad at him if they if he didn't mention them. But I could see the twinkle in his eyes when he when he said Nats. Absolutely. And we all know Nats. Nats is other than Dingus. Nats is the goat of Statesboro. I was going to say, I was a little disappointed he didn't bring up Dingus yeah, McGee's. He, he didn't bring up Dingus. You know, I, I guess I guess to each their own. Uh, I I kind of prefer Dingus over Nats. You know, but oh, when, for it, sure. when it comes to, to the fried pickles, definitely no Nats offense, Al Chapman. If if we if we're talking strictly like food atmosphere atmosphere for sure it's dingus but yes. to me whenever i think about like restaurants i don't put dingus in restaurant category i put them in okay. bar category and i think that's probably where where he was staying away from yeah. it and he probably doesn't frequent that place just because of how many students <laughs> are there and you know he's a yeah. family man so but nats is a solid solid place that's you know if 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 i if i had to make a top 3 they would definitely be on there yeah 
Yeah, if we're talking food quality, Nats is for sure better than Dingus. Like, I think we all know that. But the fact yeah. that Dingus has the happy hour deals oh. and, the, yeah, the the happy happy hour deals is the main thing. But, see, that's and that's the difference, too, is I think the food I have at Dingus I like better than the food I have at Nats. Like, if I had the same Bar things. Food. But, yeah, but the but the food I have at Nats, there's more stuff to choose from at Nats. You can go with barbecue. They got really good barbecue. They got really good chicken tenders. Yeah, they got a... So, yeah, like... Yeah. Nats Nats is a good place to go to on on Sunday when it's all day happy hour, oh, and yeah. you can sit there and you know just have a good time on a Sunday. Dingus it's is a good, good place Sunday, to go to, location. you know, before you go out to the bars on Friday, you know, or you know, go to happy hour, get something neat, pound a few pitchers, be- beer and wings on Monday, beer and wings on Monday, a little dingo bingo on on Wednesday. Oh yeah, yeah, time for us to go back. But all right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into our pour one out, cut them off segment. Lando, who are you pouring one out for? Uh, this week, I am pouring one out for my cousin, Kendrick Davis. Uh, on Thursday of this week, he uh, started his first day of trooper school for the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. So he has, I believe it's, uh, I think, a year's worth of training. Not a year's worth of training, but six months worth of training to do for uh, uh, to be a Oklahoma State Trooper. So... Uh, he has a long road ahead of him. I'm really proud of him. I know he can do it. He's a tough, uh, tough cat. And, uh, I'm looking forward to him doing great things in uh, Oklahoma. And, uh, this week I am cutting off this Georgia heat. It is too damn hot here in Georgia. The humidity is way too much. I can't walk outside and not sweat. I walk outside to take the dog and I start sweating and then I get frustrated. I walk outside just to go get lunch and I start sweating. Hey, you got you got to take two showers in, in this Georgia heat and I'm sick of it. I'm, I'm ready for this heat to go away. I'm ready for it to be fall and to have just nice, cool air. Matt. So this week I am pouring one out. I'm going to pour two out, actually. I'm going to pour one out for football season because it feels like it's actually here. Uh, we've got like a month, less than a month away from college football. And I've been watching the NFL Network all day long because they're doing the training camp stuff. And and honestly, most of the time, whenever I watch training camp, it's not really anything. It's just a bunch of dudes running around. But at the same time, it's it's football, and they're talking about news. And then, you know, with the breaking news of Oklahoma and Texas, that obviously got the buzz going around the college football world. Uh, and then the other one, I'm going to pour out a another one for the MLB trade deadline because it, we're recording this on Thursday, and Anthony Rizzo just got traded to the Yankees. It's starting to get hot. I believe the trade deadline is tomorrow at 4 or 5 p.m. So uh, what's going to happen over these next couple of hours and overnight, it, there's no telling. Uh, and this week, I am cutting off the Big 12 because – this is this whole thing with college football is all a mismanagement of the Big 12, letting Texas do whatever they wanted while they were in the Big 12, and they kind of got to call the shots. Uh, this this whole realignment is is the Big 12's fault. Uh, they were scared of Texas. They knew that Texas held all the power, and ultimately that was their demise. So Big 12, uh, you're not going to be a Power 5 conference anymore. I just want you to know that, and it's probably going to turn into a bunch of super conferences, so thanks for that. Wit. All right, guys, I'm going to use this segment to break uh, some breaking news that just popped up on my phone four minutes ago. I'm going to pour one out for the Los Angeles Lakers, who just completed a trade to acquire Russell Westbrook from the Wizards, and they got rid of Kyle Kuzma in the process. So 
Uh, big move for the Lakers. I'm not a Laker fan whatsoever, but uh, having LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook combined with the team that was already around them, that's going to make for a pretty good team come next year. I think that you'll see this team compete in the playoffs much more than they did this year, for sure. And I'm going to be cutting off the Atlanta Braves trade deadline action. There has not been any pretty much at all. And I am bringing this up in hopes of that I will release the juju into the universe. And as you guys know, pretty much every time I release something into the universe, I am wrong uh, when it has anything to do with the Braves. So if I if I release this into the universe, I'm hoping that the universe will look upon me and say, you know what, you're right. The Braves need to do more. Let's go get Trey Mancini and a bullpen arm. And uh, I'll wake up tomorrow morning a happy man. But um, as of now, the Braves have not made a lot of moves. I haven't seen much news on the Braves even trying to go for anybody. Um, I know we've had a couple of people talk in our group about it, but even on, I've been on Twitter all day. I haven't seen that single thing. Um, and it looks like the Dodgers are about to make a deal to get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Nationals, which would just be absolutely ridiculous considering what they already have now. So I'm, I'm praying that doesn't happen. I'm praying the Braves turn it around uh, before the end of the deadline and make a big move to compete and uh, try and beat out the Mets for the NL East. But um, yep, I'm cutting off the Braves deadline action. Keys, you pour one out for. All right, so I'm pouring one out for Sunisa Lee for winning the Olympic gold in the individual all-arounds and in gymnastics in the Olympics. And Sunisa Lee is the first Asian woman of any nationality to win the Olympic gold in the individual all-around. So congratulations to her. And that was in the absence of Simone Biles. Um, and I'm cutting off everybody for hating on Simone Biles. I don't know what all's going on. You know, I've kind of read into it a little bit, but... You know, who are, Lando said this yesterday, who are we to judge where she feels an with Olympic her mental athlete? health? Yeah, an Olymp- who am I to judge an Olympic athlete if she thinks that she's not in a mental state to go out there and compete in the Olympics? You know, and it was in a, it was in the team event. So, you know, if she's feeling like, oh, I might let my team down, I'm not on it today, let her withdraw. That might be the best thing for the team. You know, who are we to judge? But everybody hopping all over her lately, I'm, uh, I'm kind of over that. And, and also, I'm, while I'm on Simone Biles, I'm going to go ahead and cut off um, just the the judging committee for the Olympic gymnastics, uh, kind of giving a reverse handicap for Simone Biles, basically saying, you know, oh, we're not going to give her the highest scores for doing what she does, um, you know, because she's in a league of her own. It's like, well, that's kind of the point. If you're in a league of your own, you get gold. That's how it works. But, you know, I digress. You know, Simone Biles is, is the GOAT, in my opinion. I could... I could be wrong. We don't have to keep this, but I don't think the judging committee came out and said, like, we're going to judge you on a different scale than everybody else. I think she gets judged on a different scale the same way that, like, Tom Brady doesn't win the MVP every year or, like, Nick Saban doesn't win Coach of the Year every year. They, they didn't come out and say, yes, we're going to we're gonna grade you on a different scale, but, I mean... Yeah, but... Like to to I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not gonna compare compare gymnastics to to NFL football or <laughs> you know stuff like that. Like it's two different things. Like she she's getting judged not to win an MVP, but to to win a tournament. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's like that's if we're gonna if we're gonna compare it, it's gonna be like comparing the referees saying, "All right, uh, each time Tom Brady throws throws um uh, a a 15 yard pass, we're 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 only gonna give him five yards because he's Tom Brady." Like that's, that's essentially what that's doing. So apparently, I, and I was I was looking more into it today. Apparently, today more has come out. Like every day, they were saying that it's not just a mental thing. It's like the it's basically the gymnastics essential of the yips. Like yeah, the they spins, call it the twisties. The twisties. Oh, the, the twisties. So like when she tra- when she tells her body to flip, her brain sends the signal to twist. 
And when you generate as much torque as her, you can get really hurt. I feel like if they would have released that initially, there would have been less pushback. Just because, but like when you say something as vague as mental health, like people are people are immediately going to like, oh, she got she got nervous, or it's an ego thing or something. Like, eh, right, right, right. Like oh, and and now the ego thing I never understood. The only thing that I was like, oh, I mean that it is these like big time athletes were to be like oh yeah you know i i'm i don't think that i'm mentally prepared to compete so i'm just gonna sit out of a big time game people would they would get hammered for it and so i think that had they released it initially as this is what's going on and given a more in-depth like you know she's got the twisties she can get severely hurt more people would be understanding of that you know i find it funny that None of the big time athletes came out and and criticized her for for her, her doing what she did. The only people that criticized her were people who don't even play sports. <laughs> Sit at home on their couch, like. <laughs> I think I, I I I think that's funny. Well, and see, and, and it's the same thing like you were talking about with the twisties, gymnast, and or it's the same thing that Lana was talking about with um like NFL and and gymnastics. They're two completely different sports. Whereas if Tom Brady, you know, sits out of a giant playoff game because he has, uh, he's like mentally not prepared, then that looks worse on him. Because if he goes in and he's not prepared, like he's probably not going to hurt himself playing. In gymnastics, if you're not mentally there and you miss like one or two flips with as much like torque and, and body spin and height they get on their flips and stuff, they could actually like cause themselves physical harm for doing that. Like, I mean, you might could say Brady could cause himself harm too because if he stands in the pocket too long and get hit by a defender, but... He's not gonna like 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 break his leg off doing a flip or something like a gymnastics person would if they if they just aren't there. So it's it's just it's just very different to think about um, how gymnastics is so uh, so on its own from all these other sports that like people are kind of comparing it to. Dale Jr. sat out. I think it was six races because his mind wasn't there. You know, we're gonna call him soft. We're gonna you know gonna call him weak. No, didn't he have a didn't he have a concussion? Yeah, and he, he was having side effects from a concussion. Yeah, he 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 had a he had a he had a really bad. I think it was a wreck at like Talladega or something. He had a really really bad concussion, and he he he, he was like, yeah, my my balance is like 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 my my equilibrium is just off. My balance is is off, and I just can't I can't even stand or shit some shit like that. So, ah, oh, sucks for DJ. I hate he had to had to retire so early. They said uh, Simone had an injury too, correct? Yeah, the the the, the spins. Well, initially they released like it as she was injured, like a mm-hmm. foot injury. And it came out later in the day that it was mental health. That's when everybody started bashing her because they were like, oh, mental health couldn't be, you you, you couldn't handle it. Yeah. Uh, and then it came out, you know, like, like I said, I feel like the more that has come out, like social media has been the worst thing ever for athletes. And even Michael Jordan said, and think that he could have lived in a world with social media because people are so quick to criticize whenever they don't know the full story. And they expect the first thing that they read on social media to be full truth. And so when they see, you know, Simone Biles steps out because of mental health, people immediately go to, oh, she got nervous and couldn't handle it. And it's like, you know, it's it's way deeper than that, but it's a jerk reaction. And that's what media wants is that knee jerk reaction. 
Well, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Please give us a follow on Instagram at Around the Keg and on Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Don't forget to check out our merch store at AroundTheKeg.com, where you can pick up an ATK shirt, hoodie, tumbler, or any one of our other items. Our feature artist of the week is Neutral Snap. Be sure to check them out and give them a follow on social media. Here's their brand new single, I'm Crazy, But You Like That, to play us out. Have a great week. Oh,